0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another summer edition of Ignite Radio Live.
1: You are with Greg and Stephanie Schlieder over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, and we are blessed to be together.
0: Absolutely. In just a moment, we are going to connect with our guest tonight, and I think it's going to be a very powerful conversation. Dear Brother in Christ, Andrew Reinhardt, he works for the diocese, leading evangelization endeavors there with our other good friend, many good friends up there, but Brett Hunter Brinker. Both of them have been involved with this mission. Uh, Andrew is a new father, well, generally new, I guess, how many... What are we talking here? Uh, almost Go ahead, a Steph. Year. almost a year that's amazing with w- beautiful wife Brittany. And um, Andrew, in addition to being engaged at the diocesan level, I want to say is a very formidable outreach to those seeking spiritual direction and coaching. And I really want to direct you right out of the gates to his endeavor, becominggift.com. Very easy. Becominggift.com, addressing things that can help us more fully know who we are in Christ and live that fully. Check it out. And uh, with all of that, I want to give the banner a theme tonight, finding tranquility in troubled times, finding tranquility in troubled times. So just right out of the gates, Steph. Are we living in troubled
1: times? Well, I think right after the fall in the garden, the troubled times began. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I mean, we're looking at Dobbs overturning <laughs> Roe. We've got a lot of simple.
0: political, economic, broad, big world headline news stuff. A lot of that is uh, really a reflection or, if you will, an overflow of the trouble that maybe many of us allow to be manifest as an absence of really knowing who we
1: are, our unsurpassed identity of God and Jesus Christ. The way that that plays out so often that we see is in just troubled, divisive families and relationships and um, people really seeking quick fixes for those answers, and we know that that's usually not how the Lord
0: works. And of course, that is Andrew's centerpiece that is just really unpacking that and helping us connect with that and live that fully, I think is really a great antidote, if you will, to you know dealing with the seas and the troubled times.
1: Listeners, I just encourage you... Um, to listen attentively to what Andrew has to share, because I think so much of it um, will be solace to the soul in regards to direction for that.
0: So folks, you again are tuned into Ignite Radio Live, and if you're looking for tranquility as we all are ever deeper in troubled times, stay tuned. A few commercials here, and we're going to get right into our program with Andrew. So first of all, we have a new season of Belief and Beverage Nights. Uh, the past season was marked by five outstanding pastors in our region addressing subjects that was extremely well-received, we encourage you to hear those at massimpact.us forward slash BNB, massimpact.us forward slash BNB. You can hear some of those recent wonderful events. And gearing up for the second half of this year, we have four amazing, very prolific, insightful, on-point professors from the distinguished Hillsdale College, and they're going to be addressing different facets of the theme in-car Nation. It's a spin on that word, nation. Incarnation, Reflections on Recovering One Nation Under God. We ask you to please join us. Become a member. Uh, Sign up already. It's free. We do encourage you to make a donation. That's, again, at massimpact.us forward slash BNB. It is limited to the first hundred. It takes place at the GMC of Perrysburg, Cronin Auto Family. So grateful and blessed always by the Cronins who host this. And uh, number two is Catholic business owners who are about about building the kingdom. Which of us aren't looking for products and services, whether it be vehicles or in the case of our guest tonight, who is a kingdom builder, you know, looking for some kind of product or service, and you want to have a sense not only of their excellence, their professional excellence, but that they are truly about the heart of the Father and building the kingdom. Find out more about that at massimpact.us forward slash kingdom, massimpact.us forward slash kingdom kingdom. With fo- no further ado, welcome aboard on the Ignite Radio Live ship as we make our tour through tumultuous waters seeking tranquility. How are you doing today, Andrew? Good evening, Greg and Stephanie. I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. good.
1: Welcome. So you want to clarify cute Solanus David's age for us all? Because all the females are going to be just wondering just in turned... particular.
2: <laughs> he just turned one. Okay. So July 3rd was his birthday. Okay. So you were you wow. were right here on the, the cusp.
1: Right. Very cool. One year. Praise God.
0: That's amazing. And you know, Andrew, would not be an interview with Greg Schleter and Stephanie Schroeder if I didn't ask you uh, a provocative good question. How are you a better man as a result of Solanus?
2: Mm. Well, one thing it has done is it's made me reflect a lot on my own parents and grow in a deeper appreciation for them. Mm. Um, but. But two, I think it's really, uh, in, in the Lord's providence and design, my wife and I were, were married for a while before we were blessed with our first child, mm-hmm. um, and we, we kind of settled into a pretty comfortable life. Um, so there's definitely been a call to just a deeper giving of myself, a less, mm-hmm. let's might say, selfish lifestyle or, or just a more constant of giving, but just the, the idea that he's always there, you know, mm-hmm. like I could come home from work and and there's a baby, and then I <laughs> go to bed, and there's a baby, and I wake up, and there's a baby. <laughs>
0: so amazing. Um, <laughs> when, before
2: it. having kids, it's like you can kind of do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been, it's been a kind of a deeper self-emptying, and even a, the, sort of the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's nothing more than I want to do in an evening than sit down with a couple books. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but when my son needs my attention, even, you know, reading a book of theology, can be a vicious thing, mm. um, so that's been, I think, the deepest thing for me.
0: Beautiful. So you've swapped
1: out Aquinas for Doctor Seuss? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, exactly. Doctor Seuss needs to
0: do a Doctor Seuss needs to do a theology of the body or a Summa Theologica Doctor <laughs> Seuss picture edition. Andrew, I know you're on that one for a little Solanus.
1: Thank you for that witness, though. I just I don't think we can highlight and. Um, proclaim the gift that that is of sacrifice, of self-gift, of um, someone responding to that grace and gift of fatherhood or motherhood. So thank you for that witness, and, and dads in particular, mm-hmm. be encouraged by Andrew's words.
0: So I want to cue up just a question. We spoke about this in times past, Andrew, of recent history, of the importance of of fathers. So I do want to get to that uh, down the road in this conversation, particularly with your insight as a father, as a man involved in men's groups with peers who are dads, and maybe just to cue this up, what are some of the significant challenges men, fathers, young fathers, and older fathers are facing to really live in the delight, joy, and challenge of what it means to be a father? So, folks, I'm just going to make that a little Is bit of a trailer teaser? down the road. The teaser, exactly. Yeah. Before we get into that conversation, though, and again, speaking of tranquility in troubled times, Andrew, can you give us an overview of becominggift.com? Uh, who are the sorts of folks? Why do people come to you? And what what kind of, if you will, service do you provide?
2: Yeah, I guess the, the heart of the question really grows out of my story. So I'll share that in brief. Um, because Becoming Gift grew out of my own experience and what the Lord, how I felt the Lord calling me to give in a different way in the church. Um, so I was... In ministry, right away, I, I went to seminary right out of college, and then di- in discerning out started in parish ministry and was especially passionate about the theology of the body, mm-hmm. just sort of seeing what was in our culture and everything you know that 's really happening today we were anticipating over ten years ago
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, but but really identifying theology of the body as sort of the 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 theological pin you know or essential piece there. Um, but just realized that in my own life, I love to teach and learn about theology of the body, but I wasn't really living it. You know, like I wasn't doing the bad sins, mm-hmm. you know, like those like really bad things that other people, but, but in another way, in so many ways, I wasn't incarnating the message, you know, so I was, I was at the time Beautiful. extremely overweight. I was about 400 pounds, just very stressed person, sleeping terribly, spent a lot of my free time just sort of on entertainment, video games, and, and movies, and mm. TV shows, and, and and just wasn't really becoming the person that God was calling me to be in so many ways, so I, I stepped back from a lot of the public speaking and teaching that I was doing outside of my job, and just sort of focused on myself for a while, um, and in that, the Lord really blessed a, a season of my life where I um, was able to, to face my weight issue. I lost over 200 pounds Mm. in that process, um, or about 200 pounds in that process, and then really had to face the stress that I was going through working on my sleep. Um, you know, I'm not perfect, obviously, but it was about a four or five year journey that the Lord had me on. Um, and, and what I realized though was I was really interested before, like I said, in how to live the theology of the body, and now I was doing all this kind of health and wellness sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It just struck me one day that the two strands were coming together, that in living this holistic, healthy life was living the theology of the body.
3: Mm.
2: It was becoming more and more what, what God was calling me to be, living in his image and likeness. So that kind of core realization coming out of that transformation that the Lord worked in me is where becoming gift came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that title, becoming gift, from the Second Vatican Council, that man can't truly find himself without mm-hmm. becoming a sincere gift of self. Beautiful. And John Paul II echoed that quote throughout his pontificate. Yes. Um, but but I think that that line is so essential. One, you know, I'm kind of thinking in the area of health and wellness. You kind of touch into the realm of self help that our culture is so infatuated with. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that idea of becoming gift, that we don't truly find ourselves without becoming a gift of self Mm. is so essential in this space. Because you can just live a life that's all about you, right? It's about me looking the way I want to look and me having the life I want to live and Mm. taking the vacations that I want to take and you know, all of these sort of Instagram images that were uh that were shown um through these kind of self help streams. Well the, the truth is that we don't truly really find ourselves until we make that sincere gift of self.
3: Mm-hmm. We have
2: to give ourselves away in love to become really what God has designed us to be. Uh, so that's where, where the title of the site comes from. So on the site, there's really two big pushes that you mentioned before. There's the Physically Spiritual Podcast, and that's um, produced through Awakened Catholic. And with that, it's it's really my attempt to harmonize and synthesize everything I've learned and lived, so, in there, I explore kind of the full gambit of health and wellness topics. Um, I just, in the, the previous season, I just finished, we, we did a deep dive on mental health and emotional health and from a Catholic perspective integrated mm-hmm. with the Catholic worldview. And then I also do a spiritual direction and coaching mm-hmm. where I help people take an integrative approach to overcoming struggles in their life. Um, and, and this could be anything from losing weight to, lifestyle modifications to, uh, you know, overcoming habitual sins, or trying to grow in a deeper relationship with the Lord.
1: Andrew, may I interrupt you for a moment? Um, Just because we, uh, I think we take so much for granted, but as you uh, touched on, you know, this past season, focusing on mental health and such, um, and you— you know, commented that just that spiritual perspective. I know many of our listeners, I'm sure, go to different counseling and focus on mm-hmm. that mental health aspect. Um, what is your um how do I put it? Like the can you just touch on briefly the importance of that spiritual aspect? Because most count there aren't it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of Christian slash Catholic in particular counselors available. Um do you see that as you know what is the importance of that in your opinion?
2: Yeah, it, it is very important. I'll give some caveats. I just had a great conversation on the show with uh, Jake Kim. Yeah, he's awesome. a Catholic mm-hmm. counselor from mm-hmm. Vancouver,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, we we really did a deep dive on some of this. And you know, the idea of um, of coming at it from a spiritual lens. One, if 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 you're not approaching your mental health issues from a spiritual angle, you're going to miss something. Mm-hmm. Not saying that what doctors can do, what mental health professionals isn't helpful, but there's a spiritual element to man. So, right. so we need to integrate that. Um, I think it's ideal if you can find a Catholic mental health professional who, who's going to be able to address whatever you're, you're dealing with. But the reality is oftentimes they're not available
3: mm-hmm. I mean, they're
2: definitely more available with virtual options. Like I just had um, this last season, Dr. Kathleen Bertelman on the show from My Catholic Doctor. It's a full full, um, online Catholic health practice. Um, You know, so there's options like that available. Um, But it really comes from the place that that you're going to be influenced by this counselor, whoever you're seeing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: If if you're mature and self-possessed and can maintain your identity um, as a Catholic and in your faith, regardless Mm -hmm. of what that person says, I think it if that ideal Catholic counselor isn't out there, I think you really want to find the best specialist to deal with what you're dealing with.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: right? And a good mental health professional should work within your worldview. I meaning they shouldn't be trying to influence you to do things that you find immoral. They shouldn't be trying to change your beliefs or your worldview. They're, they're trying to address some specific mm-hmm. dysfunction and emotionally. Um, but on the other hand, like, you know, if, if if it's not a mature person, if you're not really clear on what you believe, if you're not going to be able to stand strong or, you know, you're going to be influenced. I think you really need to be cautious when you're looking for a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, the whole idea of CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is that you change people's behaviors by changing their beliefs,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but it begins with the shift in, in what the person believes in order to shift what they're doing or how they're acting. Uh, so so I think it is uh something that people should be cautious with but with that caveat that you know if if you are pretty self-possessed and m- mature and and solid in your faith and you know what you're going to stand up for um I think it's best just to find find the best practitioner mm-hmm. like you find your best physician for whatever ailment you're dealing with
1: Sure. Thank um, you for that. I but just... a lot of
2: people aren't coming from that
1: place right. so they should be cautious.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Folks who are tuned into Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, so blessed to have our guest, brother, friend, Andrew Reinhardt. Find out more about his uh, great ministry outreach, becominggift.com. And uh, I, I really encourage you right now. We're talking our overall theme is finding tranquility in troubled times. And just to cue you up, Andrew, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to maybe to paint a portrait of what your experience. We know the stats, the stats of increased depression, more in recorded history, suicide. There's a lot of disconnect. There's a lot of people, but four particular things you mentioned on your site. Is this for you? If you feel stuck in a bad habit or sinful behavior, and again, you've said these before, but to repeat them, um, if you're discerning your vocation or a life transition, if you want to pray more regularly and design a healthier lifestyle, if you want support as you grow spiritually, learn to pray, develop virtuous habits, or learn to meditate, if you're looking for that special kind of guidance, counsel, accompaniment, Accountability, uh, where you know there's a, a traction on a path that's helping you see real results. Again, go to becominggift.com and check out Andrew. So, Andrew, to my question, um, you're very engaged. You know, the word became flesh. I think it's a lot of what you're saying here. It's the heart of theology, of the body. It's not just this ethereal faith spiritual thing stuck off in some part of the world. The word, God, became flesh, real life circumstances, real life challenges, having a job, having. Having kids, the things happening around us—it's there that God is allows us to become holy. And I think a lot of from our friendship over the years, what I love is that you recognize—you know—as I may put it this way—that you know our our circumstances are a custom-designed retreat by God, meant for greater intimacy with Him. They're not meant to be just cast off. You know, there certainly things we make navigations, we choices, but the physicality of our lives are given to us to a certain extent. Even our bodies, of course, our lives to to. to um, to recognize God's hand in it, Colossians 1. So I want to ask you, what is your, what are you experiencing, quote-unquote, out there? What are you experiencing with regard to troubled times that is unique maybe to these past year or two versus times before? And what are you finding in your own ministry? Um, maybe some breakthrough stories, some examples of the kind of transformation you're seeing. Yeah, the,
3: the
2: tranquility in troubled times— I, I, I believe strongly that tranquility is an inside job Mm. Um, and I'm going to come back to that in a bit, but you know, I, as far as me personally, what I see, you know, just simple things like seeing and hearing about people getting shot in the newspaper Mm. or on the news. Mm. And then just the honest questions with my family, like, how should we navigate the city we live in? Mm. You know, is it safe for us to drive through this neighborhood? Things of, things of that nature. Um, you know, there's, uh, another big piece is sort of that, that personal piece of facing my own personal sinfulness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just the contradiction of a person that I am mm-hmm. between where I am in my lowest moments and where I am in my highest moments. Um, and then and then in other areas too, just a, a, a struggle for me is with just life kind of balance, you know, working, having a baby, uh, being married to a wonderful woman, but then also trying to cultivate um, becoming gift and, and all the other passions that I have in life. So these can all be kind of sources of losing peace. But like I said, I think tranquility is an inside job. And mm. I'll, I'm going to go back to my story to express this because I was losing weight. I had to face the issue that the problem wasn't how big my waistline was or what I looked like in the mirror. Mm. In, in this journey, I'd, I'd, lost, like I said, about 200 pounds, um, amazing. and, and, And I was lighter than I had been since seventh grade. So the weight that I had on the scale was smaller than I was in seventh grade. And I was a pretty big seventh grader. Mm. Um, But I had to realize when I looked in the mirror, I wasn't happy with how I looked yet. Mm. So so literally Mm. the lightest I had been in my adult life and I still wasn't satisfied. Mm. And I realized that the number I saw on the scale when I would step on it first thing in the morning would affect my prayer time then. Mm right after I got sort of out of their room. <laughs> um, so I had to face the fact that, that I was experiencing this, this inner turmoil as a result of how I felt and believed about how I looked and mm-hmm. how I should look and all of that other stuff. Um, and this was really kind of the, 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 the linchpin shift where I kind of shifted from focusing more on the physical health side to maybe putting more attention on the emotional and mental health side in my own life. Um, although they're both they're both certainly important, um, I, I think of um, on this topic a lot. The great great idea from Stephen Covey in the uh, Seven Habits book mm. that that he wrote so many years ago, but just that idea of the circle of influence versus the circle of control. Mm. Um, and, and he has this so core good. idea in there that that when we put our our attention outside of the things we can control what happens is our circle of influence actually shrinks.
0: Mm.
2: And when we put our attention on the things we can control, what happens is our circle of influence expands.
0: Let me pause you a second. I don't want to rob your train of thought. I think you have it. But you just dropped, among many nuggets, pearls that merit just a moment, just to allow that to go deeper. When we are focused mm. on our circle of control, thinking that things are in our power and most things aren't, our circle of influence, that area that we do have control over, the words we use, the thoughts, our inner life actually shrinks. We find ourselves enslaved in some respect to the things around us, and the vice versa is true. just I don't know if you want to just flush that idea out a little bit, maybe open our hearts and minds to how important that is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. its I think it really the heart of it comes down to spending your energy and your assets, the greatest asset you'll ever have is your time and your attention mm-hmm. on the things you can actually change. Right? And, and the less of that asset that you invest into that, the less you'll actually change in your life. Mm-hmm. And the more your time and attention that's on these things that you have no influence over, the less you're actually putting your time and attention on the things you can control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's the principle. And when, uh, when I hear that, I also remember a talk that Peter Kreese gave years ago. Called Winning the Culture War. And he does this talk in the mode of the screw tape letters, mm. which is a great book by C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. where it's, it's from a first person point of view of letters going between demons about how they tempt people. And so Peter Kreef gave this talk from the perspective in the voice of a demon on how to tempt our culture. And one of the principles that they say in there is we'll get them to worry about poverty but to ignore the poor person that lives next to them. Mm, you know, get so them good. to worry about these grand international issues, these things that are really outside of your control, but to get you to ignore the people that are actually there mm. that you can change. And, and I think that our, our, the enemy has our culture by the neck with this. Mm. Uh, because one of the biggest elements of our economy right now is what's called the attention economy. Mm-hmm. So many of these online services are free, because you're the product. <laughs> and they're selling your attention to their, to their customers who are the people who buy the advertisements.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so they know that the more they get your attention, the more money they make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so what they do is they, they utilize what they understand about human nature, the way our, our, our basic primitive instincts work, and they put things in front of our eyes that trigger our instincts in such a way to demand our attention. And one of the primary things that does this are things that cause fear in you, Mm -hmm. right? Potential dangers. We're hardwired for survival, to live. So so they know if they can put something in front of us that makes us think that we might not be safe, it's not just that you won't look away, it's to some extent that you actually
3: can't look away.
0: And a lot of so investment cool. in the technology to hook us and to connect with the chemical aspects, the dopamine hits, folks, just a quick interjection, watch the movie The Social Dilemma, which principally interviews those who are instrumental in founding these social media empires. And as you're saying, um, the economy was the attention economy, etc. H- how much is invested for them to keep us, if you will, addicted and take us further? I'm sorry, continue, Andrew.
2: No, oh, yeah. All this is to say that we're we're in an environment that that habitually and, chron- habitually and chronically takes our attention out of our circle of influence,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and that's just the design of it. Because if it's not a problem within our circle of influence, it's not a problem we can ever solve. <laughs> so it's something that we'll just need to right. keep watching. Mm-hmm. And people get into these cycles of watching the news or going back to their feeds or what what have you. Um, so. So I want to kind of draw these different strands together that I've been talking about here, kind of my story, and this realization that if I was going to feel good about the way I looked, I needed to to change the way I felt about myself.
3: Mm. And then this
2: idea of of the attention being drawn out of our circle of influence and into our circle of control. Here's one of the realities that our faith teaches us. We're not in full control of our health. Mm. We're not in full control of our health. But that's okay because we're not ultimately called to this world. We're called to the next world. So yes, I do believe it is essential to living the faith to try to be as healthy as you can within your state of life. But on the other hand, there's so much of this outside of your control. Things that can affect this are things like your genetics. You're not Mm going to change your genes. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: It can be affected by the way you were brought up. There's an idea of, of, and weight loss called set point theory, that your body likes to sit at weights that you were at in the past. Mm-hmm. These kind of set points, and it kind of holds these points. There's also just the reality that we get sick, mm-hmm. and and we can't solve every illness. I mean, so many people today struggle with various autoimmune conditions that it's just so difficult. One, the kind of mainstream medicine doesn't have any great solutions other than treating the symptoms.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And even a lot of the integrative approaches, it's kind of sometimes like playing whack-a-mole
3: mm-hmm.
1: to try to solve these problems. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes, we hear you.
2: So so in, even in these health areas, we need to keep our focus on that circle of control. Um, so, so in my life, really practically what this looked like was instead of having my, my goals set around the number on the scale I started to focus more on my lifestyle. Right? Not how much weight was I losing, but what's the quality of how I'm living? Mm-hmm. What's the quality of my diet? Not just how little I'm eating, but but how good is the food that I'm eating? Mm-hmm. Uh, can i can I try to to sleep better, to pay more attention, to be more uh, effective at work and and engage with my family? Um, and now here this whole extra dynamic of having a child mm-hmm. and wanting to have a life that I can give to him mm. and be a blessing to him. Mm. Uh, so so as I applied that principle in my life, and this is still a journey that I'm on, what I noticed was that eventually, actually I just kind of stopped weighing myself. Mm. You know, I just tried to live a good life and stopped focusing on that number on the scale. Um, and that really shifted my mindset and affected um, my ability, like I said, it was affecting the way that I prayed. Mm. Um, How? So my ability to enter that prayer time, I, I was just let more distracted. Mm. It wasn't like I was actually obsessing about the number on the scale, but it was just that little underlying frustration, that little emotional disturbance under the surface uh, that would leave me to be more distracted and, and less able to be present in that time. Mm.
0: No good. Good. I was uh, the prayer component I think is one of the fundamental things. Many of our listeners who are solid good Catholics go to mass, etc., but you ask the question, what is your daily prayer life like? And the truth is a, a good number don't know that there's a combination of making commitments, a certain ritual, if you will, that is absolutely important to say I'm going to do it. But also these streams of living water to to have the right mindset and heart set. Uh, and again, you're going to have the Mother uh, Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa, Dark Night of the Soul, John of the you're going to have the dryness, aridity, etc. But you know, when you said that, I just knowing you that there are things that we can do of attitude wise that do open up the doors to a kind of experience, and I don't want to reduce it to feel. Feelings or emotions, God uses those, but I don't know if you can comment on that. Just, you know, how, how is your prayer life enhanced as a result of this transformation in your life? And what should we maybe look for to go deeper and have a uh, better prayer?
2: Well, just on a basic level, previously I was incapable of a regular prayer life. Mm. Like, like if you looked at me trying to pray every day, and there's still days that I, I struggle to get it in because, like I said, there's things out of my control. Like if our one-year-old wakes up in the morning, and my life is tired, and I have the one-year-old for the morning, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so things like that come up, obviously. So the the goal isn't just to be um, scrupulously doing the same thing every day, but previously I wasn't capable, not because of what my life brought to me, but because of the way I was living affecting my life. Like not going to bed at night at a good time and not sleeping enough led to not being able to pray in the morning, or if I tried to pray later in the day falling asleep, um, these, like I, I mentioned before, these kind of emotional issues that I was struggling with really causing, uh, even when I did try to pray, that I was super distracted. But I couldn't calm my mind down. My mind was basically stuck in a continual fight-flight state,
3: mm.
2: which meant that the, the part of my brain that's looking for things, that's flitting around to try to be safe, jumped around. So what that normally looked like was me thinking about all those possible things that could go wrong that day. Right, that project I had at work or that conversation that I was worried about or that thing that happened yesterday that, that I regretted or, or what have you. Where being able to enter into more of a resting state in my mind so that I could actually pay attention to what I was trying to pay attention to. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so, so this is, is, is really how it shifted. But I, I think that idea of duty that I uh, mentioned before with state of life is important. Because it's uh, like you said before, Greg. What the Lord has brought to you in your legitimate duties is a self-styled retreat. Right? What what's going to bring me the most sanctity is me living my vocation well. And my vocation as a father is to to love my son
3: mm-hmm.
2: and to to be present to him and to love my wife and and for us to to be on this project together of forming a child in God's image and likeness. Um. So, that's really what's going to cause me to grow in sanctity. So, like before, it would have been important for me to make something like a holy half hour or a holy hour. Well, when you have a little baby, those things just aren't possible mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that 10 minutes really given over to the Lord, and then maybe having the baby and continuing to pray some, but not being able to give my full attention to it, or maybe just praying the Jesus prayer in my mind as I play with him on the floor or what have you, I really believe that that's that's much more sanctifying Mm. than if I insisted on having that half hour of time isolated from everyone else in my life or an hour of time isolated from everyone else in my life
0: i got to jump in on that, Andrew, just and an amplify it as a father of seven, one in heaven, six kids in seven years, uh, coming out of seminary where I had great value of praying the daily office and daily mass, um, those formal times. And just for number one, it's easy to be, quote unquote, holy when you're single. Um, the demand, though, when you're married, of course, is integrating that with your spouse, and it's really that punctuation mark, right, that my life is not my own, my time is not my own, my sleep is not my own, and each child is really a punctuation mark at the end of that sentence. My time, my life, my money, my everything is really, really not my own. But to say um, the most powerful praise and worship or contemplative prayer moments I had were holding a child at one thirty or 2 or 2.30 or 3 a.m. downstairs when I had the opportunity Uh, usually sometimes you'd be in tandem because we had maybe a year and three months and a newborn or whatever but honestly what you're saying here and just for our listeners to capture this God custom designs these moments that can be occasions of prayer and they may not look like the formality that they were when you had the luxury to do that so I just want to amplify that I'd love to hear that
2: yeah and 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 the adjustments are in those spaces, too. Because I think what those spaces can look like for a lot of people are, well, I have the baby at 1 a.m. and I scroll on my smartphone. Mm-hmm. Well, I have the, the baby in one hand and the phone in the other. <laughs> um, right. or, or, filled, or maybe you're just sitting there, like, angry that you're not sleeping. Mm. i just resentful about about the fact that this is difficult and it's hard and it's painful and it sucks, you know? Yep. Um, so, so the shift is in that, that. Internal space of oh how am I going to use this time, um, you know, and the waking up at night thing is really it's a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't wake up easily, so like my wife praise the Lord and God bless her. Like she carries that burden in our couple um, because honestly, I just don't wake up even when he cries a lot of the mm. time. Um, but then what that is then a challenge for me later in the day. How can I pick up? How can I pick up the burden? So like for me normally then. I normally come home from work and cook dinner. You know, so it's like I, I pick up from one side um and when I can't carry it on the other side. Mm,
3: beautiful.
2: Um, but it but it's finding ways I think to integrate and to keep your heart and mind on the Lord when you're in the midst of, of really what the Lord has brought you in your state in life.
0: Very powerful. Andrew, um just can you give us some anecdotes about some of the success you're seeing, and then I want to move into a different direction of of fatherhood and identity things. But just give us a portrait of some of the delight that you're experiencing with some of the people who have been drawn to you.
2: Just thinking of different people I've worked with over the years, and the first person who asked me to work with them was a priest, and it felt kind of like jumping in the deep end right away. Right. (laughs) I, I actually did some prayer and discernment before I, I did it because I was like, Lord, are you, like, are you really calling me to do this? And, mm. um, and we've been working together for a couple of years now. And mm. his first goal was losing weight and getting healthier. And praise God, he lost over 80 pounds Wow! Um, awesome. in that first year of working together. And we've kind of shifted into deeper waters now.
0: That's amazing. Into
2: prayer life and sin and other, and other areas. Um, but just seeing the work the Lord has done in him. And then, and then from that, then his bishop moved into a bigger assignment so it's like as the Lord was working this healing in him, then, you know, he was like also being prepared for the greater work mm. that the Lord had in store for him. Mm. So it's uh, beautiful to see that, um, you know, some other uh, gentlemen that I've worked with before just, you know, struggles with with chastity and lust and, and different mm. issues around that. And, and talking to him and hearing, you know, they've been free of it for two years or more. Beautiful. Um, it's sort of a- approaching it and trying to get down to the root causes of, of what's happening. Um, you know, other, other situations that I've dealt with, it's, some things are, I guess, less measurable. <laughs>
3: right.
2: you know, Like some struggles, it's, it's harder to kind of have a number to track mm-hmm. you know, or a date to set or something like that. You know, so other times, it, it isn't as, uh, as easy to get the picture of. But in general, I think what, what happens is when people are going through uh, coaching and spiritual direction, is they get a greater sense of directionality in their life. Hmm. So, so what do they actually want to change? And then are they making progress toward becoming that person they feel called to be? Or I feel like a lot of the times we're sort of living with a whole complex of unstated expectations for ourselves. I mean, there's all kinds of different things we have in our mind of how we think it, life should be, but we haven't really defined what those are clearly. We just get angry at ourselves when we know they're not there, hmm. um, but but a lot of these things are long term projects, you know. So it's not like it's just, uh, you know, I, I change my diet and all of a sudden I'm a hundred pounds lighter. Hmm. A, a lot of times it might be multiple different diets the person does over a course of time, or or different elements integrated into it. So so doing coaching and spiritual direction can help people to really. Clearly state what those long-term goals are, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but then break them into the manageable chunks. Okay, if this is where I want to be in a year, what does that mean about what I need to do today? And what should I be doing in a week? And what should I be doing in a month? And in two months? And in six months? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: So
2: on and so forth. Uh, So that's really the the
0: beauty of the process fabulous we are uh greg and stephanie schlitter ignite radio live and blessed to have our guest andrew reinhardt and if you're looking for a little bit of assistance and help and or a lot of assistance and help in journeying to this place of abundant life john ten ten, go to becominggift.com mm-hmm. uh, though we don't know much about most people that are listening to this program right now or in the world we do know two things their deepest desire is to be loved and to love. Their deepest core desires to be authentically loved and to love. And we might say, number two, God is love. Which of us are not yearning on this side of things? And even in eternity, ever deeper, more and more for God, to know God, to see the face of God. We're trying to fill that, right, God-sized a hole in our hearts with other things. And it really is a simplification that you really help people journey more deeply in understanding that dynamic and to clarify. And there's a lot of healing there. It's point two. So number three, Genesis 1, 27. in his image, as we yearn for the face of God, in his image, he made them fe- male and female. Do we not understand, then, if that's our core identity, unsurpassed identity, sons and daughters of God, in and through Jesus Christ, that the greatest attack is going to be on our identity, and I might say specifically our masculinity, and femininity, do we not see that playing out in the hearts, minds, lives, politics, economy? of Everything on this planet can be summarized uh, right there in terms of that attack. So when we spoke recently, Andrew, you spoke of an awakening, if you will, a greater clarity on how maybe men, masculinity has come under attack, maybe particularly fatherhood. How are you coming to understand that, Andrew? And um, what are some insights you have of maybe reclaiming a godly masculinity and maybe in particular, fatherhood.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, before becoming a father, I think I could have, I could have not over exaggerated or shot too high in, um, in trying to understand how God loves me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think of like when I see Solanus and the love I feel and how I, you know, like he could chop off my arm Mm. and that wouldn't make me hate him. Like I would wonder, like, what I did or like how I could like help him feel mm. better about it. You know, mm. it's like, <laughs> it, but like, I'm
0: real crappy and God isn't.
3: Mm. <laughs> <So> like,
2: <laughs>
0: like, There's a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. I'm really crappy, but God isn't. Anyways, continue. So like, if I love him
2: that well, think of like how much God loves me. Um, and it just blows my mind. Mm. But, but this idea in the supernatural realm resonates in the way God designed us naturally too. Because identity isn't something we take; it's something we're given.
3: Mm.
2: Um, and I've been influenced a lot by uh, the thinkers out of the life model, which is kind of a Christian mm. uh, a mental health kind of approach. And and they, their material really comes from uh, research out of the way that the brain and nervous system develops during a child's uh, during the very early ages of a child's life, and how the behaviors of the parents affect that, either for negative or for positive. Mm. And one of the ideas that I learned from this is that that kind of core relational love that the child experiences from their mother and father, or you might call it attachment love,
3: mm.
2: but this attachment love really forms the part of our brain that is in control when we are, are being stressed. So when we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, we don't feel safe, we're afraid, we're angry, what have you the part of our brain that's, that's in control is the part that's formed by that attachment love from our parents. Mm. Um, and this, these are simple things like
3: the,
2: the littlest baby in the first three months, how they're held,
3: mm.
2: how they're touched,
3: mm-hmm. how they're
2: breastfed, all these mm. things. Uh, then growing up older, it's the, the experience of the child being delighted in, in seeing their parents' faces. Mm. It's the experience of the child realizing that they're being delighted in by their parents that f- continues to form this, this attachment bond and causing this healthy neurodevelopment in their brain. Um, and when I hear things like that, and I think about our Catholic faith, for example, like the fact that people are, are brought into the church, we, we talk about baptism as a new birth, right? And we're brought into the church by sacraments, by mm-hmm. physical signs by which God touches us. Um, and then throughout the scripture, there's different, quotes about the delight of God's face.
3: Mm. like when,
2: when the chosen people mm. would bless each other in the Old Testament, it said, may God's face shine upon you. <laughs> uh, so mm. the scriptures basically replete with these images of God's face delighting in us.
3: So beautiful.
2: Um, so, so the design that God gave us on the natural realm is realized on this supernatural level. So I, I think the, the kind of core problem in our society is that is that we, we fail to receive our identity mm. and no one's perfect. So, so simply saying that your identity isn't perfect is just saying that your dad's not Jesus and your mom's not Mary because mm-hmm. they're the only ones that didn't sin.
3: It's mm.
2: so like, we're not here like parent blaming. That's not the point. The point is, is to, to recognize that the roots of the problem go back really early before you were laying down explicit memories or making choices. And, th- and this is the foundation of your character, who you are when you're in these places that are difficult. So, th- so this means we have to be compassionate with ourselves and patient with ourselves, and understand what, what the solution is. And this I mentioned before, kind of the, the self-help culture in our society, what, what that culture would have you believe is if you read the right book and try hard enough, you can be the person you wanna be, but that's a lie. And I bet there's countless people out there listening who have read the book and it hasn't changed their life
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. because that book is talking to the wrong side of your brain. It's talking to the logical side of your brain, which is there and in control when everything's hunky dory. But that's not where you're not being the person you want to be. It's that other side, the emotional side of your brain that's fed by attachment love that, that controls you in those places where you need to change. So this means that if we if we want to grow to become the father we want to be the man we want to be we need to receive it from the love of others. And this is in our relationship with God and the sacraments and meditating on the scriptures and calling out to the Lord in prayer and it's also I think the deep need for having a church.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? I need God with skin on. Mm. So I need Beautiful. people in my life who see me and love me and and and, and really are God's hands and feet uh Helping yes. to transform my heart. Um, so I think that's ultimately the antidote, is, is going into prayer and going into the church, but with this, I think, deeper level of, of vulnerability of heart. We need to be transformed at the level of the heart, and not just the level of the mind.
0: I love that, Andrew. And there was a moment when you were speaking where could it could have been just me, but in the Holy Spirit, I just felt being taken deeper. A father who loves us so much could not be separated from us, and and wants to be pervasive. In fact, I will say, at age fifty four, I had superb parents. My dad, very German though, uh, CEO of hospitals, um, he strong Catholic, left us with a great compass, but not a lot of EQ, not a lot of relational interconnectivity with us. Later on in life, it got much better, and and it's really amazing right now. But. I needed to learn. I needed to learn growing up in our home with six boys and a girl uh, just how important it is to be relationally present to our kids to ask the questions of not just how's the soccer game or how's your grades or whatever, but that more kind of patient enduring, you know, what's going on under the hood. You know, and to stretch beyond my own comfort zone. There, when you when you open that door, maybe comment on this: how is that? How do we not see that as a be- marriage and family as a beautiful design of pouring out ourselves for other, like the Trinity, an occasion of getting out of ourselves, looking past our navel navel gazing selves, and, and the opportunity to truly enter into the life of, of another. Sometimes, particularly when they're feisty, maybe or challenging or difficult. I don't know. How how do you see that playing out?
2: Just naturally that level of attunement or emotional connection is it's like basically like uh, like fertilizer for the brain. Ooh, I love that. It's <laughs> so like one of the most important things for healthy attachment is actually reconciliation. It's mm. it's okay, things haven't gone well and you receive that reconciliation. And, and what's built back in the body is stronger than what was there before when that reconciliation mm, happened. Mm. Kind of like when a bone is broken and, and, the, and it grows back stronger. Mm. Um, so, so this is like the power if you're a father and there's something on your heart, the power of you seeking reconciliation with your child, of honestly recognizing how you wounded them and apologizing and just giving them that opportunity to forgive like, I don't think it can be overstated how healing that can be for mm-hmm. them. And and then in in our own lives, um, just know that as you're providing that kind of attention, that kind of love, that kind of care, that, that you're doing something profound that that does, like I said, have a natural benefit, but it's also reflecting the nature of God, right? God's omniscient, meaning he knows everything, but this isn't because God is like a, it's not like a supercomputer that's like collecting all the data in the world, just sort of like coldly, uh, calculatedly, like watching everything and recording it. God's omniscience, God's knowing everything is an attentive love. So, so God knows everything in the world all the time down to the deepest detail possible because he cares, mm. because he wants mm. to, um, because he loves you. So, so realizing that when you're giving your children that, that you're paying attention because you care, you want to, you really want to know out of love, mm. that you're reflecting the heart of the Father. Uh, and, and, and when you do this, it, it's beautiful because then when they go to catechism class in a few years and the teacher says, well, God's like your Father and God loves you, like that makes sense to them mm. because they experienced it in your body. So, so your body, in a sense, is their first catechism. Mm, wow. That then when they start learning That's the depth of the faith, when they're reading books, it all resonates in their heart as true.
0: Andrew, so good. I'm seeing us coming in for a landing and maybe at the end here, open up a can of worms. It's the best way to go. You know, Supreme Court uh, make, having their Dobbs decision before they go in recess. It's that sort of thing. But many parents right now, let's face it, any, we know many godly, Catholic, good people whose heart is to do what God is leading them to do. And there are some differences in perspective in the broad categories of one might say detachment parenting and attachment parenting. And again, I want to proclaim good friends of ours, yours, who, who have strong views about this. Um, and I'll say, how does it manifest? The detachment might be more, even at a young age, letting them cry it out, or trying to structure things with an assumption that maybe we're, we're, how, you know, we're fostering a selfishness uh, if we just respond to them and their immediate needs and such. I'm going to just go on record, and I don't know if you agree with this, and you can be bold and challenge if not, but everything you said about the life model uh, which I think is very Trinitarian. And Steph and I have held this in our own six children of being available. I even like to use the phrase attunement parenting to hug them, love them, hold them, nursing on demand. We co-slept sleep with each of our kids. Um, all of that, I'm just going to say, fostered a right I believe, wiring heart, mind, body, and soul that gave them a strength to an, a foundational connection of who they are in God that gave them a strength for each one of them to be really, as they're growing and emerging, incredible leaders to go places, do things, reach beyond in incredible ways. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? As you maybe have peers also, you know what I'm talking about in some of these conversations. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Having small children is, it kind of feels like you're on a sinking ship. So, I try to hold these things delicately. <laughs> right. So, I think in general, I people honestly that. are doing the best they can. Yes. yes. Uh, so, like, you know, so like some people just can't breastfeed. Like, it just it, physiologically, like it doesn't work or whatever. The, the child can't get. So, like, so I want to like tread very gently on these waters because people, I think, get lost in the details. Because mm-hmm. the heart of attachment isn't what you're doing on the surface, it's about what's happening in your heart and mm-hmm. mind. Uh, So we're actually wired to tune to one another. We have mirror neurons in our brain that that literally react to the neurological state in in the people around us. So like you you can do everything right, quote unquote in Mm -hmm. whatever parenting theory book is your preference Mm -hmm. and still not form a healthy attachment. Mm -hmm. If your heart's cold, Mm -hmm. if they don't experience that love. So, so personally I think how, how you do things is much more important than what, what you're actually doing. Right. So, so regardless of your personal preference on parenting and how you breastfeed and sleep and react to the cries and everything else, um, I think it really comes down to the heart level as the foundation. One of the other realities we need to face is that, you know, you you could do everything perfectly in the first mm-hmm. few years of your child's life and they could still not turn out very well mm-hmm. so, because there's a lot of other people that can wound them. Every yep. time we sin, we wound ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so one of the primary factors that determines their outcomes is their own free will and the people we encounter in our adult life. All that's to say is I think sometimes people hyperfocus, and And, and the lie at the core of that is I can control what my child will be, mm. which isn't what God the Father does. Um, so, so I think that that heart of how we love them, uh, what's really in our heart is the, the core of what we should focus on with that.
0: I love that. Folks, tune in to Ignite Radio Live. So blessed to have you on the journey with us, Andrew Reinhart. Check him out at um, Becoming Gift. Check him out at John Paul, call your dad on the phone, right <laughs> in the middle of a program. Uh, check it out at becominggift.com. And Andrew, so blessed that you've been with us. Do you mind just leading us in a closing prayer?
2: Yeah, sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to, to share these words, Lord. I pray. In gratitude for Greg and Stephanie's mission, I pray that you would bless them in the work they do in the church. Lord, I pray for everyone who listens to this program, Lord. I just uh, would especially say that in the next few days, Lord, may they experience mm. your love in a profound way. Mm. May they know that your face is delighting in them you mm. shine on them. That there's nothing more that you want than deep relational intimacy with them, Lord. Mm. And I just pray that. Uh, That you would tear down the barriers in their lives, the strongholds in their lives, the things holding them back from being in relationship with you, Lord, because you are a healer. And I pray all
0: this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, and the Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again so much, Andrew. Our hearts and yes. prayers, unity with you and a wonderful people here in this diocese, this holy Toledo meant to be a city on a hill. Let's just remain united and connected and avail yourself to all the blessings that exist, one of which again is becominggift.com. Until next time, God bless you all.
3: From dark to light, I see your eyes, you satisfy my breath.